0: I haven't seen you since last decade. I, I knew it. You I knew, knew I was it. gonna do it. I knew See, I it. didn't I knew even it. get the reaction no, I
1: wanted. No, that you still get oh okay, on the inside I got that reaction. I'm like, oh <laughs> he's like, I'm I, not
0: gonna give it to her. Yeah, I'm not gonna no, give her this. But,
1: but earlier when you did it, it well, well played. Because at first I was just like, oh yeah, yeah, I haven't seen you in a little bit. And then I'm like, wait a second. She knows <laughs> that I don't deal with that from our prior. Those listeners who yes. haven't heard the prior one was I'm a I'm a you big hate it. I hate when people say See the last couple year. days of December. See you next year, or you know, I haven't seen you since last year. No, no you didn't, guy. You saw me last week. Guy, you're that's like, come how you on. know
0: you're a little agitated when someone throws <laughs> guy out there in a sentence. But so. uh, Mike Rupp, Jackie Redmond, coming at you for this edition of Puck Culture. Thanks for joining us. Uh, so I assume then that you put a cap on on when you stop saying Happy New Year, then, right? Because you know your first couple days back at work after the New Year. Everybody you see in the hall doesn't matter if you've ever spoken before, it's a hey, happy new year, happy new year, happy new year. You say it like a hundred times in the span of a day. Yeah, where do no. you stop? Where do you draw the line? Um, two days. I later. said
1: it, I think I said it yesterday, so see, maybe, maybe you, I'll you make, went
0: past the line. Did me. I? Where's your line for me? I mean, it depends where New Year's falls, but for me, I was like, once the weekend passes and it's Monday, the start of a new week. It's over. There's no need to say Happy New no, Year true. anymore.
1: I, I probably agree. I, I think I do it as uh, almost like a closing of a conversation. If with someone I'm not like I don't talk to all the time. Right, right. So like if I'm like that's how I used it yesterday. was just like, oh yeah. And instead of saying all right, I'll talk to you later. I'm like oh yeah, see ya, happy New Year. Yeah. You know, boom, done. Yeah, like, but boom,
0: like boom. if it's like January tenth and you're still <laughs> yeah, throwing no. out Happy New Year, yeah. it's like all right, the month's almost yeah, tap over. Okay, let's yeah. let's move on. Uh, but it is a new decade, and we started off with some big news. Um in the NHL yesterday let's talk about the Nashville Predators cuz they've been a really interesting team the first half they fire Peter Laviolette we talked about it on last week's podcast about whether or not they should make a coaching change they've made it they hire John Hines 35 days after he was let go by the New Jersey Devils what do you you tweeted about this pretty quickly after the news came out that John Hines was gonna be the guy and you like the, you like that hire why
1: oh, I like it because first off you always get a little bit of an uptick from any coaching change, right? We we right. know this, we've seen this. Um, why I think he's good systematically for that team is because he's a guy that was a part of the, you know, the Penguins regime. He was in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, and that's the time with Ray Shiro and Dan Bilesma in, in Pittsburgh, and I went to the Penguins, and everything that these guys would run, I mean, these practices were very uh, up-tempo, the, the pace of practice. I remember getting the Pittsburgh and I started thinking to myself because I came from New Jersey, where everything was right. very defensive oriented, and I almost going to Pittsburgh, where it was like go, go, go. We want offense. And I remember practices where I'm like, "Wait, defense
0: I'll... was the focus for the Devils?" Yeah, Back exactly. In the dish,
1: exactly. Think. So it ended up getting to the it ended up getting to the point where I was like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know if I can make it through practice. Like it, right. it was that bad. I mean, it was it was such an adjustment in practice. So I'm like keeled over, and all the other guys are okay because they're used to it. And so I'm kind of like. Y- that, But we had an identity in the way we played that way. I think that that's what John Hines has always had, and he brought it to New Jersey. That's why they made the playoffs in that first year. I mean, the players did a lot there, but systematically they surprised teams. They were going, going, going. That's what Nashville needs, and they've got the guys to play that way. So I think that it's, uh, you know, I talked to Patty Eliash um, about John Hines when he took over. Name drop. And, and Patty was, <laughs> Patty, was uh, Patty had a bad knee at the end of his career, and he was out of the lineup. And he was starting to get back in, and he uh, he said to me, he goes, I wish, I wish it was five years, seven years, ten years, I had this guy before, or the, you know, ten really? years before. He goes, he wants to play, defense is a priority, it is for every coach in the National Hockey League, but he wants you to play to your strengths, he wants you to go, he wants you to be playing with speed and pace, and his practices reflect that. So. Um, you know, and and that was a situation where Patty wasn't even really playing because of his injury, so he was just like, I wish I could play for it. Like and all yeah, the guys like I, I talked wish the timing to I wanna was play different. for him. Yeah, he's a great guy. I think it'll be good. I think it'll be good because they've got guys they need to start they they need to start defending better. They need to get better goaltending, they need better defending in front of that goaltender, whether it's Pecorino or UC Saros. But they need to start playing to their strength, and they have a pretty dang good roster.
0: Yeah, they do, and I think that's why it's been so surprising to sort of watch this team this season and say, how is this team that on paper looks really good yeah. and that was in a Stanley Cup final just a couple of seasons ago, how are they struggling this much? And I thought it was interesting in the press conference yesterday that David Poyle kept hammering home the point. This was a hard decision. This isn't Peter's fault. No he really put the onus on the players with the exception of Roman Yossi he was like people have not played to their potential on this team they need to be accountable it's my fault and it's the players fault as a former player when you hear a GM come on and really not I don't wanna say point the finger because it wasn't that way but really turn the attention to the players on the roster and say this is on you guys to turn this around how does how does a player receive that
1: Goes two ways. You have it from an, a negative standpoint, where you could look at it and, and turn it into a positive. Is uh, we're next. There's nobody else in line in front of us. Is going to take the heat. Right. The head coach already has. Players are next. Um, but then you also look at it from the standpoint of a new coach. You can rewrite the script. Yeah. And I, I find that coaches a lot of times. Let's use. I'm going to use this as an example. I don't know what the team's going to do with Kyle Turris. Sure. Kyle Turris has struggled last year. Kyle Turris has been up and down this year. Um, as far as playing well and not playing well. Here's a guy that had, it was kind of, the script was written for him under LaViolette already. There no time, if Peter LaViolette was still the coach right now, I don't feel like you're going to see Kyle Turris be given prime minutes and right. prime situations because he's had enough of a, a runway with LaViolette to be yeah. like, this he's is kind of where, where he a bunch is. Of times, yeah. Yeah. But now there's a new guy coming in and there's a new, when there's a new coach coming Is in. Is anyone
0: more excited about a new coach than Kyle Turris?
1: Probably Maybe not. But, I mean but, he's but, probably but very ignited by
0: right, that. Right
1: but, but you look at it and you, you know if look at it from John Hines point of view he comes in here and he's probably looking at this roster and he's like alright what, what things need change? Everybody needs to play a little bit better systematically we gotta play better but I need more out of this player. I mean Kyle Turris makes a lot of money he's a big piece he was a big piece in that in that trade yeah uh, and it hasn't worked out so as a coach, you want you're motivated to get this guy going. So you're going to see, I think Kyle Turris's minutes get bumped up. He's going to be put in these situations. How long it's going to last? That's up to Kyle Turris. But I think that but when you're, it's a fresh opportunity. It's a fresh opportunity, and a coach wants to do something different. So the the problem that I always thought of is like if you were the other coach's guy,
0: right, <laughs> right. Like, then you're a little nervous. If you were,
1: if you were, if you were Lavi's guy, and the team was struggling, but you were putting in all those positions now maybe you should be concerned. You I mean, Everyone on the roster it's like a
0: fresh slate basically yeah. because it's like alright this is a new guy coming in It doesn't matter who you are this is a new coach which means you gotta make a first impression you gotta show John Hines why he can trust you it's like building that trust with your coach to play in certain situations.
1: Yeah I mean you can you can rewrite the script and you could be a fourth line guy You're if you play and you contribute you use something in the next two games three games next thing you know Life has flipped on its head.
0: I don't want to, this might be a crazy thing to say, but you look at the Nashville Predators on paper, great roster, tough first half. They remind me of St. Louis a little bit last mm-hmm. year. I mean, they didn't come into the season with all these crazy changes, but they came into the season with a great roster on paper, a roster that people thought was for sure a playoff team, and they've struggled, just like the Blues first half of last year. Yep. They struggled. Could the Predators be a team that, after a few practices uh, under their belt with John Hines, really turns it around. They're only five points out, I think, if my, if my memory serves. So could they be a team that all of a sudden, second half, new coach, we see go on a bit of a run here?
1: Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, they're, they're a team that certainly has the pieces in place to do it. I mean, they're, they're in win-now mode. Oh, the, yeah. What they've done the last number of years, every year they're just pushing all the chips in and they're going for it. So that's, that's still where it is right now. Um, the only difference I see, they're really having a hard time defending this year and their goaltending hasn't been great and those things coincide go hand in hand St. Louis defended well yeah even when they were losing they weren't defending really good and and they were not getting good goaltending. For the record
0: let me state for our listeners I'm not saying I think the Predators are gonna go win a cup I'm just saying no, no, they no, could no. be a team that really
1: that, that looks like
0: a Jekyll and Hyde for yeah. between first and second half.
1: Yeah and then and then you 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 sit there and you look I mean, they the bottom line you gotta get goaltending and and we know how important Jordan Bennington was and oh. they, what he did really sustained a lot of things so You know, pekka has got to be better, and the guys in front of him got to be better. But I think what can also help them is there's a lot of forwards that are underachieving on the offensive side, and get more points is going to help the goalie. It's going to help your team defense as well. So, you know, yeah, they could. That there'd be a scary team if they get. You know what
0: I feel like about the Nashville? I feel like they don't necessarily have a game-breaking player. You know, they have they have good players like Matt Duchene's a good player, but is he a game-breaking player? is he that guy that kind of like puts the team on right. his back like we see with a with a Nathan McKinnon or or a Sidney Crosby or or one of these I don't know I don't know if the preds have that yeah that singular superstar player
1: yeah I think that that's that's what's tough and that's what that organization and, and David Poyle's go back to the Seth Jones trade Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson they needed a number 1 center Ryan Johansson was a, a guy that was kind of on the outs with Torts in right. Columbus, and he was a guy where there's question on his work ethic and in these things. He's a very talented player. I, I like his progression, but he's still not. You know, he's not. He's not a Connor McDavid. He's That's not what I'm a saying, Jack right? Eichel. Like he's
0: he's a great player. Yeah, he's a
1: very great. But he's, he's a not a player.
0: superstar, like game breaking, series breaking, yeah. changing, so, winning so player. So now
1: you got you got Matthew Shane, and he's been okay. You know, so they—they're very good players, but I feel like those players are complementary players to teams. Like, well, that's well said. Yeah, like if you have, if one of those players went to, uh, you know, a team that's established already, yeah, then that could put them over the top. But to be driving forces, that's why they have to play good teams. You know, it's
0: like uh, Phil Kessel on the Leafs, right? Like when he was the guy, still a great player, Uh all-star player. But when he went to the Penguins, we saw just how, how uh, useful and valuable he can yeah. be when he's in a specific role as a complementary player to the big guns like Crosby and Malkin, et etc.
1: Yeah, no, it's a, it, it's a valid point. When you you have those guys, those guys are like, those guys are, you know, the little bug shield you have on the front of your vehicle? You remember yeah. those things? <laughs> yes. I don't know if those actually work, because you, know, you always see the little thing on the front. Those guys are like bug shields to those, to, <laughs> <laughs> you don't like that one?
0: Just, I'll let you finish the metaphor first. That's my metaphor. So it
1: came up. They're the bug shields <laughs> to the secondary scores. We're gonna right. take the heat. We're gonna take all the the you know the fly guts in our face. Yeah. And you're gonna go out there and you're gonna you're gonna provide. Yeah, we're gonna, gonna, have the gonna take the pressure. Yeah. They're talking about us. They're coming for us. You go do your thing. Those types of players, the Duchesne the Johanssons, I think that they're, they're more in that category, which is still great because Phil, yes. like we like Amazing you player. mentioned, Phil Phil very easily could have won the Con Smite. Yes. And uh, a lot of people think he should have. Depends probably don't win those two cups without Phil. But you got also think Phil did the job, but you also had some other guys that were being talked he about. He
0: was able to do the job because he had players that were taking a lot of the attention, the attention away of from Phil.
1: When you went to in Toronto, you knew 81 is my guy.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, he was the number one circled guy during his time with and the league. And he
1: still got it done, which made him a great goal yeah, scorer. exactly, or, yeah.
0: exactly. But in terms of winning, right, as, yeah, a, team, as a team, it's different. No. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how the Predators do. But the the good news for Preds fans is that they're not out of it. Like five points no. is not a lot, and I believe they have a couple games in hand. So we'll see if uh, John Hines can turn this thing around. He doesn't have much time. Uh, we also got to talk about Justin Williams. Yeah, He's back. I love it. What do you think of this?
1: I, I, I think it's awesome. I think we all probably suspected he never really gave closure to anything. He Anytime a player stops open.
0: playing but they're just contemplating their future. Yeah,
1: we'll see what's gonna happen Chances here. are good
0: that they're probably gonna lace them up again. I, mean,
1: I find it to be a really a really smart move. I mean, you don't have to do training camp. You kind of assess where the team's at. If things, if the team's not in the right spot, you got a great, you got a beautiful family. You're living life.
0: It's a great Go strategy when you really break but it down. But if
1: the teams click in, maybe you can add it to the ring collection a little bit and you come back. And yeah. that's what we did. Especially like
0: coming it. off last year, right? Like the Hurricanes make it to the conference final. They have this crazy run. It's like, ah, oh, do I have another year in me? yeah, like, well, if they're gonna like come close to maybe winning something, like maybe I got maybe I got half a year in me. Maybe I'll just like suss it out over the first half of the yeah. season, avoid injury for a few months. And, you know, as an older guy, have fresher legs for that playoff push. Like yeah. that's actually, very beneficial to both the player and the organization.
1: You gotta be a special player. It, it, well, I was just joking about it. Like, oh, it's, yeah, you gotta, you know, he's choosing not to do training camp and like what? No, you gotta be a special player to do it because he's coming back and he's putting, he might not play in the same role that he did play in prior. Right. And just even dating back to last year, he's still a leader. He's a guy that has Stanley Cup success. And, yeah. and he's got two, cu- uh, three cups.
0: Yeah. His nickname uh, tells you just how yeah, clutch Mr. he can Mr. Game be. Seven. So, yeah.
1: so that's all there. He's a huge piece of that team. But this team's actually been doing pretty good, and there doesn't look to be that much room in the top six. So he, you can't do that if you're a GM and a coach. You can't do that with everybody. They did it with Mike Fisher. Right. And, yeah, in Nashville. In Nashville, but because Mike Fisher's a great team guy, Justin Williams is a great team guy. Justin Williams could be in the top six, or he could be a fourth liner but he's okay with that because he wants to be a part of the solution in any way shape or form
0: but regardless of, of where they put him in that lineup when he actually you know enters a game for the first time this season What does that do to whoever gets taken out of the lineup? I mean, I know it's Justin Williams, so it probably makes the pill easier to swallow, but you still got to swallow the pill. So like, someone has to come out of the lineup, right? And this is a point you made earlier when we were talking about this. Yeah,
1: it's tough because you could be the greatest team guy, but you have to have a certain level of self-interest. That's where your drive's coming from, Mm -hmm. right? So your drive's coming from your team-oriented goals as well. But you have to have something. Like, if the team is winning 10 games in a row, and I haven't gotten a shot on goal, there's nothing wrong with me in a selfish way, not being happy with myself. Well, fair, right? fair. Like, that's what I mean. I mean, you're not going to pout. You're winning. Life's right. good. You're winning without me. Like, now, let me get if going. That,
0: if that being upset with yourself leads to you not passing to a guy or, wide open yeah. in the slot, going, then you might yeah. have a little bit of an or, issue. Or, or, or
1: you go on the road and you're not socializing. Think, yeah, yeah, you Everyone's know, be, going for dinner. Normal, you're like, nah, I'm but good. To demand more, I don't yeah. think you make it to this level unless you do that. So, uh, you know, I think that it's, um, you know, a situation that, um, you know, you there's when a guy comes out of the lineup, there's going to be somebody that's not happy. And I remember yeah. when I was in Jersey, oh, Brandon Shanahan was kind of in the same situation, maybe as right. Justin Williams uh, was maybe going to play again. You know, and it was in well into the season in Jersey, and we end up picking up Brandon Shanahan, which is great. I mean, you're talking about a Hall of Famer, Shaney. Is Shaney, yeah. <laughs> and so Shaney comes in. But what no one really saw is and expected was Jay Pandolfo was then a scratch. Jay Pandolfo won like five straight years of the players voted on him as being the players player. You know, right. he's our favorite teammate. He's a guy who goes oh. to battle and he's he's won two cups, he's a defensive shutdown guy, he's out of lineup and it kind of Jay was unbelievable. He never pouted, he never said any word about it. Right. But all of us were kinda of like it's like our harpy was taken out of the locker room. He's funny. He was this and that, and it's like it, it took a while. There's nothing to do with Shanny. No. He's Brandon Shannon. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what the fallout is because of it. Who's out? How does that guy respond? All those good How things.
0: How does Justin Williams sort of transition from not playing for the last four months to actually playing again? So uh, it'll be an interesting storyline for sure. But they they don't call him Mr. Game Seven for nothing. No. So uh, I'm sure the Hurricanes very excited I, to I'd have love him to back. Him
1: another Game Seven.
0: Oh, come on! Wouldn't that be just like a great? Yeah. Come on! One more Game Seven moment from yes. Justin Williams. Oh, Maybe we'll get it. I would love it. Playoffs aren't that far away. Like half a season to go. Half a season to go. But Carly Zucker is going to join the show right now. Let's get to her. She's one of my favorite follows on Twitter. She's like absolutely. You follow her, I assume. She's yeah, hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Hilarious. So Carly, thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. We appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I just I took some
2: time away from Twitter to make this happen. <laughs> I mean poor Jason that seems to be what I'm what I'm most known for probably what he's most known for too
0: you know what though like and I'm not even just blowing smoke like you are like the Chrissy Teigen of hockey Twitter like you're <laughs> like I'm, I'm not even joking like anyone listening to this in podcast form or watching on YouTube right now if, if you don't follow Carly press pause right now go check out some of her tweets she she has no fear at all she makes fun of her husband all the time on Twitter uh, and then, come back and listen to the duration of this interview, because I think you'll appreciate it more if you do so. So, I love you on Twitter. My question for you is what does Jason think of your Twitter stardom, your social media stardom
2: that's a that's such a good question. um every he he says he knows when he leaves the game if he shouldn't open Twitter because he knows that it'll just be a barrage of. At him that he doesn't even want to read. So I call, every, he'll call me after the game and he'll be like, "Did you tweet?" Like,
0: <laughs> Did you tweet? Uh. Just based on the fact it's that like, he's got all these notifications. Yeah,
2: like, yeah, and so I usually apologize and then. But I mean, we've, honest, we've had that conversation so many times where I tell him it's all in good fun. He knows that he know who he, he knows who he married, and so <laughs> I mean, it's, wor- it's worse for him at home than on Twitter. So. That's easy. That's the easy part.
1: I, I actually sent him. I just told Jackie before we came on. I, actually, I don't know. My last two years playing, I played in Minnesota. I think, I don't think I met you when I was there, though. Uh, but anyways, I, I, Jason was a good buddy, and I just texted him. I, try, I was trying to get him to throw it. <laughs> this is his opportunity to throw it like a jab out of left field that you wouldn't see coming, but he had not gotten back to me. They're on the road, aren't they?
2: Well, he's not right now because he's injured. Oh, yeah, that's he, right. So he's Yeah, so he broke his fibula a couple like right before christmas um and had surgery on that so he's just getting back into skates right now so he's not traveling but he's just not as funny as i am
1: yeah well so so that's that's <laughs> and why and he I... doesn't
2: want to be outed on on puck
0: culture it's like if he gives a chirp out and it's not good people are like oh wow yeah no
1: yeah. exactly so what so what, this is your opportunity now do you want to throw a little shot at him because uh, you know i'm just I'm...
2: go to her twitter account yeah just <laughs> there. go there and go there
1: and yeah no he's uh He's one Which that can laugh it say. off. He's got a good personality to laugh it off, right?
2: Yes. And it was funny. We were talking about um, coming on Puck Culture today, and I was talking to him because I, yeah, we definitely didn't meet, but he was telling me that you're a great storyteller and that you're really, really funny. And I said, oh, oh, oh that's a lot of pressure. Now you
0: got to live up to that, way. Rapper. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. So, are,
2: so you're a great, Jackie, is he a great storyteller?
0: He does you know what, Rupper does tell good stories. Um on this podcast alone, he's told three different stories about dro- almost running over celebrities. So like yeah. Rupper's had an interesting that, life. That,
1: Carla, that's kind of my thing. Just, <laughs> just say. don't
0: you don't want to run into him on the road at L- literally. all. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so like not on not on skates. Like with an actual No, with a vehicle. You, yeah. Oh, yes. Over, okay. Yeah, a motor vehicle. <laughs> Anyways he's told the stories on the show before but yes that is true I don't know how funny Rupper is but he's a good storyteller
1: yeah, I don't know yeah, how to but take Jason that but <laughs> to... <laughs> I don't know how to exactly I mean, take you're that fun, you're oh, fun well, you. but
0: you're not like you know you're not like stand-up comedian yeah funny. no
1: no I, mean, I got what you're saying yeah so no that especially in my last couple years in Minnesota that's you know I was a veteran guy and I like to have fun and uh you know we had fun there in Minnesota so
0: let me ask you this, Carly. I, You know, I talk about how you're one of my favorite hockey Twitter follows, and I'm sure there are a lot of hockey fans out there that feel the same. Who's your favorite Twitter follower – or follow, excuse me? Like, who do you like following? Oh,
2: I like to follow? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Chrissy Teigen is hysterical because I feel like she has such a great sense of humor also. I feel like she just doesn't take life too seriously. And so anytime I'm following someone who can jo- – I mean, obviously there's things that need to be taken seriously, but I feel like if you just don't take your life too seriously – Like, it's a fun follow. So, obviously, I like Chrissy Teigen. Um, I discovered this girl the other day, and I don't remember her handle right now, but she's extremely inappropriate. Like, shockingly inappropriate. Sometimes the best follows. Right. Like, I, I mean, I could probably say it on a podcast, but not on the radio. You can repeat anything she says on the radio, but... She's really, really funny. And so I can't remember hers right now, but yeah, I mean Twitter's just a gem
1: of people to follow. I've got I've got one that I gave to Jackie and we get chuckles were it's It's a, a good one. It's a dumb one. It's kinda like a it's almost like dad joke type funny, right? Like it's not <laughs> I don't that, think
0: it's dad joke funny. I just think it's it's it's, it's silly random. funny. It's silly funny.
1: It's it's faces and things.
0: Faces in it's things. At
1: faces and things is one. And my favorite Twitter follow. Is Rex Chapman? I don't know. You guys follow Rex Chapman? I don't. You gotta do. follow him. He's unbelievable. Do you follow him?
2: I do, and he pops up constantly. I'm like, and he always posts funny videos.
1: It, it's unbelievable. He posts, and but the reactions he gets. So obviously he, he was he's a player in the NBA, retired, but the people that. Follow him. I'm not even going through the list of people, but the responses, the replies. I mean, they're like celebrities from all over different parts. Like he's like a that good of a follower. Oh, that's
0: crazy! I gotta follow him.
1: No, but one thing I do notice, and and maybe you could talk about a little bit, is I noticed the great work you and uh, Jay are doing up there with the Give 16. Can you tell the listeners um, some of the things you guys are doing there with the hospital up in Minnesota and and all that good stuff?
2: Yeah, thank you. Um, well, I mean, obviously really important to us, uh, for anybody who doesn't know this story, in 2016, um, we met a boy named Tucker Hellstrom at the University of Minnesota Masonic Children's Hospital. He, has, he had osteosarcoma. Um, we became very close with him. Jason became really, really close with Tucker. I became really close with his family, um, developed a great friendship, and unfortunately, um, not long after we met him, uh, he passed away. And so we launched the Give 16 campaign to raise funds for the hospital because the experience we had there um, was was really top-notch as far as the nurses and the doctors and the staff and everything they do. So we really wanted to do something there to improve the lives of the patients. And so launched Give 16, which was encouraging people to give in the form of 16. And I say this all the time, but we had kids giving us $16 at the rink. I would have kids walk up to me and just give me $16 and truly it made such a massive difference and in a year in one hockey season we raised over a million dollars oh my gosh in
0: one season
2: in one hockey season and so we opened a space called the zucker family suite and broadcast studio where kids can go and try their hand at broadcasting Um, they play trivia and bingo and all sorts of great things in a state-of-the-art broadcast studio at the hospital um, so that was really important to us to open. Now we are spending time in there. I host Bingo a lot. I host trivia there. Um, we go and the kids can interview Jason. And so that's a big part of it. Programming is what we ask for funds now because really we need programming for years and years to come so that the space um, doesn't you know fall apart and end up closing. And so we will continue to raise money um, forever, as long as we can, to keep that space open and running in the best shape that it can be. So well, that's we we do an event called Give Sixteen Honors, where we honor sixteen other people in the community um for the great work they're doing, and through that we also raise funds for the space. So that's what we're up to. We do a hat campaign every year where we Jason designs actually has his hand in designing sixteen custom hats that we um, sell online through Unreal, and oh, that cool. will be launched here relatively soon, so people can hopefully look out for that on our social media. And that's what we have going on. Yes, yeah, so it's a oh, of great cool. stuff. We, we love it. We love the campaign. It's really important to well, us. We
1: love you, you guys doing that. I mean, that does, uh, I love when you see, especially when you see a couple getting together and doing things for both interests. I mean, that's... Um, that's awesome! Yeah, so it good sounds th- props like to you guys. an
0: awesome campaign. I'm gonna have to keep a lookout for those hats. Like we're hat people, Rapper. So yeah, we we'll are. Have to keep an eye out for those hats. That so sounds really cool and a really I'll like really great way to raise money too by by getting uh, some style out there as well. But um, you know, for for a couple that is so generous with their time and raising money through that campaign, I was shocked to see on Twitter a couple of weeks ago that you got. I think you guys were going to Vegas and. Jason was in first class and you were sitting one row behind first class. Fill us in on, on I mean, you can see some of the tweets on Twitter to, to put this into context if you're listening to this interview right now. But my whole question was like, how did this come to be? How did this end up being the situation that you were in on this flight?
2: Okay. So the yeah, this is a great story. So my sister and I flew to Vegas to watch him play. Unfortunately he didn't play because we when we got there we found out he had the broken fibula. So right. We went out there, because that's his hometown, so his whole family's there. So it's, a, you know, it's the game we all want to go to. We brought donors from the hospital. It was going to be this great thing, watch Jason play out there, and of course, that's the game where he's hurt. Oh. So we, So my sister and I fly out there, and we didn't need to fly first class, Like sometimes we do with the kids, you know there's more space, it's great. but I, I didn't need to fly first class. So I booked my sister like our flight, and um, we're sitting in a regular seat. And then Jason is like, oh, I'm just going to fly home with you guys um, because I get to stay. I'm going to stay for the game. You know that sometimes you guys would fly back early if you're injured and just get home. But he wanted to stay. So he flies back with us on the same flight the next day. And just so happens um, that he is in first class directly in front of me, which (laughs) could not have been I mean, that is just gold to me because as soon as he sits down, I'm thinking, I'm trolling him this entire flight. Like, this is going to be great. So as soon as he sat down, I just start snapping pictures of him. And every time we got food and I was in a middle seat. And yeah, so it was just a great opportunity for me again to use Twitter to my advantage and, and troll poor Jason. So the, <laughs> the team threw him back. And that's why he was in first class. And then I booked my own flight. Um, just like a common person as we do. Yeah. And sat um, in regular seats. And so yeah, it was just another opportunity for me to, to troll him on Twitter.
0: And by the way, for anyone listening, the middle seat should get the armrests, right? Oh, because yeah. the window the, has the wall I, yes, and yeah. the aisle has
2: the extra sort of personal space.
1: I yes. I, I will
2: tell you that I did not that day. I was oh. sandwiched in just with no armrest. And oh. yeah. And so I was I was suffering Suffering, you guys, and Jason (laughs) was enjoying his yogurt with a fork, which is completely iconic. Yes, he was eating his yogurt with a fork. Who does that? That's crazy. That's come on, rubber. That That is that is is out of left field. Yeah,
1: they kinda draw the line somewhere. I think that's it. You know, with a fork. Why? Is it does he is it like a parfait? Does he have a bunch of stuff in there? Like does he have to does he have strawberries he needs to poke at? Or does it like you can
2: scoop them with a spoon. Just
1: just straight yogurt. yogurt?
2: Just a straight yogurt with a fork. It was wow. That's yeah,
1: yeah, that's something really something
2: out of a horror film. Yeah, so that I mean that just helped me. And he, the great thing was is that he had no clue until we landed that I had tweeted anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so he got off the flight to all
2: these people probably just roasting him. Yeah, so that that's great.
1: The one thing I've always thought about too is because you, you're from Minnesota originally, right?
2: Yeah, I was born in New Hampshire but grew up in St. Cloud, Minnesota.
1: Okay, so you you're St. Cloud, Minnesota you married a man that's from Vegas I mean you can't find two different oh, let me give you let me give you a snapshot here and you know well as anybody but just for the listeners uh, Vegas was in the league when I was playing right. but Arizona was similar-ish right. weather I guess you know uh, there was a time when I was playing for the wild that we were in uh, I think it was eighty degrees in Arizona finished the game, got on a flight, flew back to Minneapolis, got off the plane, it was minus twenty. A hundred degree swing. Like that like totally mess with you, right? Like you're going just from one to the extreme to the other. You two, I mean, is he was he originally a softy when he got there with the cold weather? Like where's I mean, where's the balance here? Like you guys balance each other out because you're 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 used to the cold weather. He's used to Vegas. I mean that's like two extremes there.
2: Yeah, for the first four years we were together, he didn't own a winter coat. That's not not what yeah. he went. He would go from one indoor garage to the other indoor garage, so he never spent any time outside. He'd,
1: he'd, he'd, you know, and, and you guys you guys lived down in Minneapolis then when you were at that time. Yes. yes. So, so the listeners, a lot of Minneapolis is connected. You know, just like Winnipeg's like that. Winnipeg
0: with like the underground. Yeah, the
1: underground. The the bridges are. You know, the. That's when you know you live
0: somewhere cold. When they when they have infrastructure underground.
1: So you don't have to go outside. But I'm just I'm just picturing. Jason walking somewhere and probably taking him like nine times longer to get there because he doesn't want to go outside <laughs> as yeah. opposed to just having a coat and just walking across the street. you got to
2: admire the commitment though. I'm not getting a winter no, jacket. that's true. Yeah, no winter jacket, no winter boots, no snow pants, nothing. And I grew up snowboarding, skating outside, skiing. So I, I'm and like snowmobiling. I covered snowcross for CBS Sports Network. So I mean, I was always outside doing something in the winter and it's really important to me that the kids have an activity so once the kids are you know getting old enough to be outside Jason had to dive in and get some winter gear because I said you're going outside with us to skate out at the outdoor yeah. rinks or you know do build snowmen like just be outside and so now he has to but I grew up, yeah we grew up totally different in that sense that he I don't he did not own a winter coat until maybe a year or two ago
0: let me ask you this. Uh, obviously, you know, he's hurt right now, so he's not traveling. He's at home with you, which changes things in season, right? I mean, he's home. You're not used to him being home all the time uh, during the season. But for you, it's got to be a little bit of, like, a silver lining to that because, you know, you don't have to worry about packing. You don't have to worry about you have the extra help with the kids, right? Like, is there sort of like a silver lining to this situation for you?
2: Sure. That's what we'll call it. No, <laughs> Sure. No, um, it's great. Well, it was October and November for the wild. They were gone almost completely through those months. And so, and half of December. So, I mean, we, those guys had long road trips and they were just gone a ton. Um, I think we had maybe three home games or something in the first month. It was crazy. And so we didn't, I didn't see them a lot for the first, we didn't see them a lot for the first couple months. So, yes. So now having them home is, it almost felt like we were back in off season because. He was just all of a sudden home all the time. And it's funny because like we get into great routines where when they're gone, I know everything. I, I, I know my schedule, I know what I'm doing. We just do it all without him. So when he's here, he kind of stands around like, Well what, what, what do, do I do? do? Like yeah, like do I mean to do something and we just kinda of keep moving because that's what we do. And so now I'm just coming up with lists of things for him to do <laughs> like when, home, when they're on the road. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, hey, So yeah, we're fine. We're we're finding our groove, but hopefully he's back soon um, playing, and so we'll get back into that routine.
1: Carly I want to ask I want to ask you about, um, and you know, not necessarily to dive into it, uh, but just to just to let the fans know that. And I I think this is something that's real that all players and their families deal with. And you know, there was last year where there's those rumors that Jason was traded, and and those that came up a few times. Um, you know, we don't, I don't, we don't need to discuss that, he's with the Wild, I hope he stays with the Wild for a very long time, but what, how does that affect, you guys have a family, and, and you, and you're invested and rooted into the area too, so when you're hearing those things kicking around, maybe you could just give a snapshot of what that looks like from, you know, because you got to be the glue in that situation to kind of keep everything um, situated and, and deal with the kids when that moment's there, and, and, and kind of how did you navigate through that?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm I'm very transparent. I I do radio here in Minneapolis and very, I've always been really transparent about those situations and about our lives. Um, And I think when we were first together before we were married, I was, I was more worried about it because I couldn't, I, you know, I had Sophia prior to Jason, who's our oldest daughter, and I, I wouldn't have been able to leave. And that to me that was a little bit scarier now that we have really established a home here and we have the kids. And I feel like I have a groove with work and a much more of a schedule. I kind of look at it. Like this is a very short time in our lives. If he ends up traded, that's the nature of the business and we'll figure it out there. I was just saying how they're gone. He was gone almost October, and November. We don't see him a lot anyway during the season. And they're extremely busy and focused on hockey that if we were apart for some of those times, that would be okay. And we would see him when we could, and we would go to wherever he is and spend the time that we could. Um, But again, it's so short-lived. I mean, let's say he plays another 10 years, which would be incredible in this league. That's still a really, really short time in our lives. And so that's how we look at it. Plus, it's, it's also a really great adventure. A lot of these teams are in wonderful cities and so it's also an opportunity to experience something new and to expose the kids to something new and so yes I mean Minnesota's home we love the wild It's a phenomenal organization we love the team we want to be here and he's always said that but again the nature of the business is that anything can happen anytime and that's okay and so we and I just think you figure it out as you go and everybody's situations are very different and so We'll navigate that when it comes. Jason's always been great about not worrying about something until it happens. So he's not a worrier by it's nature. Good I am have. a little bit more. But, yeah, he worries <laughs> about it when it happens.
0: All right. Uh, one more for you, Carly. You mentioned the radio gig there. Uh, for our listeners, especially for our listeners out in Minnesota, what is the radio show? What's it all about? Give us sort of uh, uh, a take on kind of what you're up to in that space.
2: Yeah, I predominantly do radio now. Um, it's it's 100.3 KFAN uh, here in Minnesota. Um, it has a great following. The Power Trip Morning Show. I guest once a week on their show. Um, it's it's supposed to be sports, but it's mostly nonsense, and it's a really fun show. The guys that run it are great. Um, and then I have my own show on Fridays. That's called Overtime, which uh, I talk to athletes or figures in our community about why they give back the way that they do and about events that they are coming up and why they are involved in certain philanthropic work. And so we try to get to the heart of what they do, why they do what they do. Um, so I host that once a week as well. And so that's mostly what I'm doing. Um, and then some TV gigs when they pop up. Um, otherwise, yeah, that's about it, and then the kids, three kids, lots of busy stuff. Oh, no big deal, just three kids, Uh, well, you sound like (laughs) your schedule
0: is jam-packed, we appreciate you coming on the show uh, and hanging out with us, tell Jason we say hello, and uh, good luck getting back, and thanks for doing this, we'll see you down the line, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, thank you guys so much, great to talk to you.
0: All right, busy schedule for Carly Zucker, to say the least, three kids, she does radio, she tweets like Chrissy Teigen, she's got a marriage, she's got her husband injured at home, so... uh, Certainly no shortage of things to do for her.
1: No, she's staying busy. And I love the work, again. Let's just cap that. The work that they do I mean, it can't be said the enough. Like,
0: they give back so yeah. much. But uh, we'll have to keep an eye out for those hats. We gotta,
1: yeah, we got to get one of those Give 16 hats.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll have to donate, make a donation, yeah, we'll and, do and get ourselves some of those hats. I didn't know that Jason uh, designed hats, so that's pretty cool, too. Neither did I. Igor Shisterkin called up by the New York Rangers in the game last night against the Colorado Avalanche of all teams. Uh, and the goalie situation for the Rangers just gets a little bit more intriguing, Rupper
1: It's interesting, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, coming into this season, from my understanding, the way that the Rangers were going to handle this situation was they knew they were going to have Henrik Lundqvist and Yorgiev being their their goaltenders in New York. Shishkin was going to get, from what I was told, twenty uh, say twenty out of the first twenty five starts in the American League, right? Um, See how he does, and then make a decision on where things are at. He got the lion's share there, and he lit the American League on fire. I mean, he's been unbelievable there. So I think you know, that has showed them what well, this guy might be ready now. Right. Does this mean now that he's getting the call that he's going to be here the rest of the year? I don't, I don't know if that's the case. I, yeah. I, I probably don't think it's the case. Um, but for the time being, give, and, and the selection of the game is what gets me. Because
0: it's the apps,
1: the apps, the top offense in the league. So I'm like, wait. So I started thinking, like, why would you, why would you bring the kid, the future? Well, here's
0: the thing. Let me ask you this, because the one thing that stood out yesterday about what David Quinn said to the media was, "Ah, that's just a natural progression, right? Natural progression. You have two goaltenders. Two
1: two great goaltenders. Yes.
0: So. To me, I think about it, and, and then EJ says on the show yesterday, well, you know, he's got an opt out. He can go back to the KHL if he feels like he's not going to be playing in the NHL anytime soon. So, do you buy that from David Quinn, just a natural progression, or do you think the decision was more calculated?
1: I think it was more calculated. I think it was to see where he's at, to give him a taste, to um, there's a situation in the schedule that permitted getting another guy into the mix. Uh, I. I, I I think they probably still look at some point here before the trade deadline the trade uh, Gorgiev, um, but uh, you know I, I I also looked at it as you, you want to get a reaction where see where a guy's at right and put him in this game. I think it was very calculated. It was against Colorado. At yeah. first, I was like, why would you do that to the kid? Yeah, what are you
0: trying to do? <laughs> I'm to like, him?
1: why would you do that? But then I was like, you know what? I bet you they're doing it because either way they get a reaction, right? So right. here's a kid. Uh, Say he comes up and he, not that he gets a shutout, or does great in the game. Right,
0: just looks Well, good. that's
1: just going to fuel him more. Like, okay, he's arrived. He did this, this you know, and you kind of get a good assessment where he's at. But if it doesn't go that way, and the abs do what they do to a lot of goalies, they chase him, score five right. or six on him early in the game. That also, because Shosturkin has that out clause of going to go in the KHL, this guy's a competitor. That's why he came over. He came over here to play in the National Hockey League. So if his first game against the best. Offense, he gets shelled. I think that that pushes his buttons to be like, "All right, I'm going to show these guys I got some work to do. Right. I'm going to be back." So I think either way is a great call by them.
0: But it also makes either way, like to your point, makes Shosturkin realize, "Okay, I thought I was ready, but maybe I do have a little bit of work to do." So then there's no like frustration or anything within yeah. the Rangers organization about not being up yet.
1: No, yeah, yeah, like and, and, permanently. And there's no harm being done here if if the rest of the year. If they go Yorgiev and Lundquist and he's down in the American League still playing of the last say 40 games, another 25 games. Yeah, I mean that's fantastic. I mean he's just, and then next year I think he'd be full go ready to go. But right. I, I don't know. I'm thinking that they'll get a few more starts in here with them, and then it might be decision making time. I think uh, what you almost have
0: to trade Yorgiev before the deadline. Right, his value's high. He's having a good season. Yeah. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen, right? The rest of the way.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've they've got an embarrassment of riches at that position. But they, I mean, it's, they got a lot of different options they could
0: do. I still am like, come on, Hank. Like, I want to see Hank win a cup. I do too. I really do. And I know he's not going to move. He said it a million times. But to me, I'm like, come on, Hank. Don't you just want one last kick at the can? You know, don't you want one last opportunity to at least play for a cup? Yeah. It's not going to happen with the Rangers I, the next year.
1: I think that when I look at the situation,
0: like I would be all for it. Like if, if one day Hank was like, you know what, I'm going to pull the Cujo. Like I want to go to a yeah. contender. No. I would be like, good for you.
1: I I loved playing with Henrik Lundqvist. If that situation, and I'm not in his head his headspace to, but to your point, I I want to see him compete in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yes. Again, and I want him to, to win. I want him to go and be the missing piece somewhere. And I also think what's really best for the Rangers is for him to do that as well.
0: See, there it so is. So I, I. Because it opens my, up space, my concern, right? Is that why? Is that the reasoning? It,
1: because I think you can get a return on yeah. Hank now.
0: Big return, yeah.
1: And you can still buy yourself some runway on making a decision with these goalies. Hmm. Shashurkin's supposed to be the higher end talent. Your rehab's right. been really nice too. What? W- this is a lot of pressure here on that organization because you're you now are making a decision on one one guy has one game in the league. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and they don't have to make that decision for a little while, so we might get a few more. But like, but these. What? I, what if you make the wrong move?
0: See, this is the, this is what what I'm gathering from what you're saying is that let's not understate the importance of making the right decision in this situation. Yeah because it's going to affect the future of the Rangers for the for the next few seasons
1: Uh, Hank sorry the Rangers should be competing for a cup in I think two to three years they two years maybe will start their window of like being a true contender I think I think they're on that progression they got another year next year where I think they should be a playoff team or a bubble like they should make the playoffs next year but then that following year and then the year after I think it's gonna open up that window where Hmm. they're gonna win okay with that being said, is Hank going to be your starting goalie in two or three years? You got to re-sign him. Is, is, that, is he going to be your starting goaltender? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't yeah. f- probably think so. So, uh, you know... He's
0: 38 in March, so Yeah, you know. so
1: I, I just think that the team would be in a better place, but it's also tough. I mean, you're talking about the king. I mean he is New York. He's the king of New York. Yeah. Like you're not going to just... it's a tough spot and uh, but I think another selfish thing that you just said too, I would love to see... Like, how about if San Jose puts gets things together and starts, you know, and they find a way... I don't know how the heck they would do it salary-wise, but like I, if they had to find... Just think of some of the teams that need a goaltender. Oh my god! You know? So many teams. Like yeah, I mean you're talking about... I mean it would look weird as hell oh, seeing Hank so in another weird. jersey. But how cool would it be to see him mowing through the playoffs cuz he could still do it that Let, that let's not get that misconstrued in in this whole I thing i think what's best for the team is probably for him to go somewhere else i would love for that to for him to do that but he's still dominant he could still yeah. dominate in 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 certain situations so i don't know man it'll be it'll be tough but the kid it's been one of the most hyped up call-ups i've oh, seen in a long in a while. time
0: yeah yeah so i mean it's a good situation to be in for the Rangers, but the king is the king for a reason. One of the best goaltenders statistically over the last 10 years. And obviously, as the year was coming to a close and we entered 2020 Rupper, everyone was talking on social media about their, their all-decade teams, who would make their all-decade team first and second team. The goaltenders is, is an interesting situation when it comes to that discussion, but let me ask you this, because we're not going to go through full selections for these these all-decade teams. But... Who's a player that you would put on your all-decade team? So 2010 to 2019, that maybe is against the grain, or maybe someone that that not—it's not an obvious pick.
1: Oof, like uh, under the
0: radar. I'm,
1: I'm kind of gearing mine more towards playoff success. Okay. So one that jumps to my mind—they got the attention then because he because he won a con Smythe. But when you're talking that decade of goaltenders, yes, you're thinking of Jonathan Quick. You're thinking of. Mark Andre Fleury, Matt Murray, um,
0: Corey Price. Crawford,
1: Carey Price, like these. Uh, I'm talking about the guys who won the Cup in, in right, the whenever, right. and whatever, and then you know Carey Price and these types of things. But I don't know if there's more dominant performance than Tim Thomas in 2011.
0: But can you can you put someone on the All-Decade Team for a singular season performance?
1: When it's that dominant, I think you can. I
0: no. no I don't see this is the thing about these these conversations well then uh, you is have that to... the philosophy is different for everyone right some people it's all about numbers it's all about who had the most wit like for a goaltender for example right who had the most wins of the decade who had the best save percentage who had the best goals against yeah. like those sorts of things and and Henrik Lundqvist you know is up there in statistically over the last 10 years but then there's other people who are like it's all about cups how many cups did you win how how crucial were you to your team's cup run whether you're a forward a defenseman or a goaltender to me, it's all about winning. Yeah, it is all about winning.
1: Yeah, no, but, I, 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 just think that Boston does not win that cup without Tim Thomas. Does that mean if you slid, right? So if you, you can slid put Car- him on your. Does that mean if you slid Carey Price in there instead of Tim Thomas, would you have the same results? I don't know because I think Tim Thomas was like that out of this world. Yeah. I don't know. It's tough because I, 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 I want to go against the. I want to go against the grain because it's too easy to say, well, Jonathan Quick. Jonathan Quick won two cups. You know he's was the dominant. Because when you're looking at the other goalies, you know uh, Corey Crawford. I'm just thinking like one that was just here's out of my this world, here's out my, of this world clutch. Maybe that I didn't see. Happening. Here's
0: my thing, and and it's not that I think like your number one choice for the All-Decade Team should be Corey Crawford, but it kind of like it gets me fired up when I see people talking about it because they talk about Jonathan Quick they talk about Marc-Andre Fleury, they talk about even Henrik Lundqvist. I see a lot of people talk about him because of the numbers he's put up, the amount of games he's played. I think he might be the leader in wins uh, in the decade. But then I'm like, Corey Crawford was underrated when he was winning Cups. Now you look at the body of work over the 10 years, and he's still underrated. It's like the guy is not even, for a lot of people... I don't even hear him as part of the conversation. He's just like a an off to the side guy that you kind of mention. I'm like the dude won two cups and had a 9.32 save and a 9.24 save in the playoffs of the two cups that he won with Chicago. And I'm like, man, Corey Crawford just perennial, perennial. I can't say the word perennially, perennial. Is that a a perennial? I'll
1: just change it. He say he's a perennial. (laughs)
0: he's underrated he's, his playoffs. whole career he yeah. has not gotten I think the credit no, he that he deserves for how important he has been to that franchise so for me maybe he's not your your number one goaltender number one goaltender for the all-decade team maybe it's a Jonathan Quick but he's definitely a big-time contender in the conversation but
1: I'm thinking of guys that for it, it, it I mean listen if we're doing all-decade lineup Obviously, Sid's going to be on there. Jonathan Taves, you're going to find a way to get on there. And these types of things. Right, you have your obvious ones. Yeah, the obvious ones. I mean, just read off who won the Con Smythe. Yeah, I mean, those things are pretty important. Or the MVP awards, or whatever those situations, uh, whatever one you want to pick. But I like the ones who are clutch that you didn't really necessarily see coming. Uh, So Corey Crawford is one as well, because he never gets his love. Tim Thomas is one. I would throw Justin Williams in there.
0: Mr. Game 7. We talked about him earlier.
1: I would throw. Evgeny Kuznetsov when Washington won, not that you didn't expect him to do, but did you expect him to do that? Like I think he had like 32 points or he was... It was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous and he could have very easily won the consummate, he didn't, but um, you start looking at some of the, you know, uh, some of the even when LA was winning the cups you had like these you know the guys on that 70s line were getting it like that okay. and then you had when the HBK line in Pittsburgh like Phil Kessel's been unbelievable like those are things that I like to go with in the decade and be like all right who are who didn't we talk about enough that really helped their team win a cup right uh, those are you could build a pretty fun looking clutch team uh, if you're doing it that way
0: yeah it's always it's all about the philosophy of how, of how you approach that conversation just like the age old debates of like The greatest players of all time. It's always a a battle of championships versus stats and skill and whatever, and and people fall on different sides of that argument depending on on who you talk to. No, yeah, no, fair. That's fair. Anyways, the I the all decade discussion is a good one. I don't. I just finally I want to wrap on this because I did a segment with Barry Trots the other day, and every time you're on the show, we seem to talk about you and your coaches and. Different people. And I asked Barry Trotz for life advice for some of the viewers of NHL Network. And it was a pretty fun segment. Uh, we talked about whether or not making your bed is a key to success. So I asked you this, Rupper, is making your bed in the morning an essential key to success? Does it actually, is it a, is it a motivator to success?
1: Did Trotz say it was?
0: He said, I'm not going to say it's a key to success, but he said, I do make my bed every day. And I believe that it puts you in the right frame of mind to start your day off on a productive note and in the right mindset. So essentially he said yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean I'm uh, if you ask me if I make my bed, no, I don't. Uh, I have at times and then sometimes I'll lay on top of the cover so I don't have to make it again.
0: Wait, what? Yeah, I mean that What do you mean? Like you like sleep there's, without there's blankets? an
1: odd time where I'm like I'm going to make my bed and maybe, you know, once every couple weeks I'll make my bed and then I'll be like when I go to bed that night, I'm like, I'll just grab another blanket and sleep on top of my bed that's made. So then in the morning, I just have to fold one blanket. So then it's. Like, I mean,
0: it's not. It's it's, it's pretty kind of intelligent yet. actually, because yeah, then you get to come home to a nice made bed, but yeah, you didn't actually have to put any effort to You have to actually do it. it.
1: Yeah, but nothing's yeah. better than I, I do like I like it even. Yeah, it's interesting you said that. Start your day right. I think it ends your day right. When you get into a bed that's made,
0: oh, it's nothing it's like perfect, it. right? Nothing like you get
1: a shower. You're nice and clean. Yeah, you get in your freshly. <laughs> I like to the, them. to the smell like clean laundry still too. You just put the sheets oh, on. Oh, when is you have fresh out it? of
0: the dryer yeah. sheets, it's incredible. But uh, what's the best? You know, I tweeted out that segment yesterday, and so many people were like, "This is why players play for trots. He's inspirational. He's this. He's that." What's the best advice you've ever gotten from a head coach?
1: Oh you man. On the spot a little here. Yeah, I mean the the best advice. Uh... There's uh, man, I don't know. Uh, it's put me on the spot here. They, I, I would say, Torts is good because he's he hammers you ho- he hammers it home. Okay. And it might not be what you want to hear. You know what I mean? Right. And and, and one of the things it wasn't really life advice. It's like, but he he said it in a game, but you could use it in life. He said you're there, but you're not. So a lot of times, or don't believe in what people are telling you is right. a is a player. Like if you're t- you know, if you're a goalie and you're playing a second back to back, don't. Believe you're tired because they're saying you're tired because you're playing the second of back right. to back and think it goes in life too don't right. listen to what every what everybody says is the way you're supposed to feel right you can tell yourself how you're going to feel in the situation I think torch is really good in that mental side of the game I think you could spill that over into life you know don't let Don't let everybody else's opinion on something influence yours. yours. And and, um, you're you're there but you're not was one in a hockey Mm. reference that, you know, you're there, you're kind of doing. It's kind of like going through the motions. I'm kind of doing what I'm supposed to do, but I'm not really accomplishing anything. Right. Where he's like, no, if you're going to go, don't do it then. Either do it and do it right or don't do it at all. Is is and and I think that's pretty like black and white. I like that.
0: I love that you brought up Tortorella because he's a guy that I would love to do a life coach segment with. I think he'd be great at it.
1: It would be good. He'd be
0: funny, I think.
1: We might need the 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 sensor button though. Beep. beep. Yeah. Like, well, maybe you know him. You gotta.
0: I already said this to Scott Hartnell. Like you gotta hook me up. You gotta. You oh, gotta get Torts to I come on Torts. and do the life yeah. coach segment. But uh, this has been fun. I'm sure we'll have you on uh, pretty soon, but let us know uh, on social media. Use the hashtag PuckCulture. What's an under-the-radar or off-the-cuff player that you would put on your all-decade NHL team? We want to kind of spark that conversation and see what you guys have to say. Uh, Other than that, though, thanks for listening. Uh, Thanks for watching. If you're watching us on YouTube, uh, we'll see you next week.